Hi, kids. This is Mrs. Colette. Um, I'm going to read along what you read silently yesterday so that you can follow along if you want today. I'm starting on page 54 in the Gold Reading Book. Um, it says, Photographing Wild Weather. Eye of the Storm tells about Warren Fadley, professional <clears throat> excuse me, professional weather photographer and storm chaser. Here's a look at where he goes and the dangers he faces on the job. The risks. Lightning danger. Lightning heats the air ground, the air around it to a sizzling 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Each bolt carries hundreds of millions of volts of electricity. Lightning kills an average of 100 people each year in the United States. And then over to the right, it says tornado danger. The winds inside a killer tornado may rotate at jet speed, spinning up to 300 miles per hour. Tornadoes kill an average of 80 people per year in the United States. And then up at the top of page 55, the route. Every spring, Warren brings his cameras to Tornado Alley in the central United States, where warm and cool air collide to form funnel clouds that might become tornadoes. For the summer, Warren returns to his home state of Arizona to photograph lightning storms. On page 57, there's your cover page, your title page. It says strategy focus. Warren Fadley's job takes him all over the country, getting close-up shots of dangerous storms. As you read the selection, think of questions about his job to discuss with your classmates. <clears throat> page 59, storm chasing. In the evening shadows, a dusty black truck rolls along a dirt road. A rattlesnake feels the vibrations lifts its head and crawls off into the rocks. Giant saguaros sprout from the hillsides, arms held high. Somewhere in the distance, a cactus wren calls. But Warren Fadley isn't looking for rattlesnakes, saguaros, or cactus wrens. He stares through the windshield, eyes glued to a cauliflower-shaped cloud. Behind the cloud, the setting sun turns the sky the color of a ripe peach. Warren has been watching this cloud and hoping for almost 30 minutes. The truck heads toward a hill with a clear view of the sky. Suddenly, a jagged bolt of lightning shoots from the cloud. That's it, says Warren. The truck speeds to the top of the hill and Warren jumps out, arms full of photographic equipment. His fingers fly as he unfolds tripods, mounts his cameras, and points them toward the cloud. Before the road dust has settled, the cameras are clicking. For 20 minutes, lightning erupts from the cloud. Warren moves back and forth between the cameras, peering through viewfinders, changing film, switching lenses. Tomorrow, when the film is developed, Warren will know whether he had a successful night. In the meantime, he stands and watches, hoping his cameras are capturing the spectacular lights and colors of the evening thunderstorm watching the sky. From earliest times, people have watched the sky. Astrologers used the positions of the stars to predict the future. Storytellers used rainbows, wind, and the sun and moon to weave tales about the past. Farmers, shepherds, and sailors have all watched the clouds, wondering what tomorrow's weather will be like. The spectacular storms that sometimes appear in the sky have helped to make weather one of the most mysterious of all natural forces. 
Myths and legends from around the world describe the fear and awe people felt as they watched lightning explode from a cloud or a tornado appear on the horizon or listened to the howling winds of a hurricane. For some people, storms have an irresistible call. These storm chasers head for the mountains, prairies, or seacoasts whenever weather conditions are right. People chase storms for many reasons. Some storm chasers are scientists who use video cameras, Doppler radar, and other instruments to learn about what happens in a tornado or a thunderstorm. Photographers follow storms to try to capture the beauty of wind and sky on film. Still other people chase storms in order to catch a brief glimpse of the awesome power of nature. <clears throat> Warren Fadley, Storm Chaser. Warren Fadley lives in Tucson, Arizona with a one-toothed cat named Megamouth. He has been interested in storms for almost as long as he can remember. Warren still remembers the tremendous thunderstorms he saw as a boy in Tucson. Tucked safely in bed, he watched the lightning and listened to the thunder. After the storms had passed, he fell asleep to the smell of wet creosote bushes outside his window. Warren also had his first encounter with windstorms when he was a boy. Dust whirlwinds, spinning columns of wind that looked like small tornadoes, often formed in the dusty vacant lots of his neighborhood. One day, Warren decided to put on safety goggles and a heavy jacket and ride his bike into the center of a dust whirlwind. He'll never forget the excitement he felt when he rode through the wall of swirling winds. The inside was still and almost dust-free. The light was orange, filtered, I guess, by the wall of dirt that was spinning around me. The rotating wall was filled with all kinds of debris, including tumbleweeds and newspaper pages. Looking up, I could see the very blue sky. Becoming a Storm Chaser Warren had always planned to be a storm chaser. He enjoyed studying science in school, and he loved being outside but he didn't really become interested in taking pictures of the sky until he was working as a photographer for a newspaper. Warren began by trying to take pictures of lightning from the balcony of his apartment. Although the pictures didn't turn out very well, he soon found himself spending more and more time taking pictures of lightning on summer evenings. Warren read everything he could about weather, and he began to dream about making a living as a weather photographer. The storm that started Warren's career arrived in Tucson long after the end of the summer thunderstorm season. On that October afternoon, Warren glanced out the back window of his apartment and saw the sharp edges of the storm cloud. He grabbed his equipment, loaded his car, and drove toward a highway underpass on the east side of town. When Warren reached the underpass, lightning was flashing just a few miles from it. Snatching up his equipment, he scrambled up the steep bank toward a dry ledge where he could set up his cameras. As he set up his tripods, a huge lightning bolt leaped from a cloud about a mile away, striking the ground next to an air traffic control tower. But the storm was moving quickly. Suddenly, the air was filled with the wind and rain, cutting off the view of any lightning to the east. Warren looked overhead and saw small lightning bolts leaping between the clouds. He knew there was about to be another large bolt, and he was pretty sure that the next big flash would be to the west, on the other side of the underpass. Warren knew he had to get to the other side of the underpass right away, 
There wasn't enough room between the ledge and the top of the underpass to walk upright, so he scooted along on his knees. He grabbed hold of overhead rain gutters to keep his balance in the darkness. Suddenly, Warren stuck his hand into a tangle of thick cobwebs. He quickly pulled his hand back. Then he pointed his penlight toward the ledge and gutters. The whole walkway was lined with webs and rainwater washing through cracks in the concrete overhead was driving out hundreds of angry black widow spiders. Kaboom! A huge bolt, bolt of lightning flashed overhead. Warren knew the next bolt would strike somewhere on the west side of the underpass, and he knew he had one chance to capture it. Pushing ahead in the darkness, he used the legs of his tripod as a broom, sweeping aside the cobwebs and trying to brush off any spiders that landed on his clothes. Near the end of the underpass and clear of the spider webs, he decided to set up his cameras. The air was sizzling, and Warren could feel that something was about to happen. He slid a few feet down the rough concrete embankment, using his hands and the soles of his shoes as brakes. When the cameras were set up, Warren quickly wiped the raindrops off the lenses. Then he moved back up the slope to a safer place to wait. Seconds later, he heard a loud crackling, and at the same time, he saw a blinding flash of pure white light. It sounded as if the sky were being torn apart. Next came the boom of a thunderclap roaring through the underpass. It had the energy of a bomb blast, and it lifted Warren's body right off the ground. Warren lost his hold on the slope and began sliding downhill toward his cameras. He knew that he had to close the shutters on them without bumping the tripods, or the film with the lightning would blur and be ruined. Using his hands and feet and the seat of his pants as brakes on the concrete, Warren slid to a stop just above his tripods. Carefully, he reached up and closed the shutters on the cameras. Then he looked down at his palms and saw that they were covered with blood. Warren stayed under the underpass long after the storm had passed, thinking about what had just happened. He knew the lightning strike had been close because when he closed his eyes, he could still see the jagged outline. The next morning, when Warren had his film developed, he was astonished by what he saw. In the center of one of the rolls was an incredible image of a lightning bolt hitting a light pole in front of some metal storage tanks. The picture had been taken less, from less than 400 feet. Warren knew that he was holding the closest good picture ever taken of a lightning bolt hitting an object. The lightning picture changed Warren's life. It was analyzed and written about by Dr. E. Philip Kreider, a lightning scientist at the University of Arizona. Life Magazine printed the picture, calling Warren a storm chaser. National Geographic called, wanting to film a special program about his work. The National Enquirer ran an article about Warren, calling him a fearless spider-fighting photog. He even got a call from a Japanese game show that wanted to feature him on a TV program in which contestants try to guess a mystery guest's occupation. Warren began making enough money from selling his pictures that he could think about being a full-time storm chaser. What happens to Warren's photos after he takes them? 
You've probably seen some of Warren's photographs. His pictures of lightning, tornadoes, and hurricanes have appeared in books, magazines, newspapers, advertisements, and scientific films. One of his lightning pictures was even used on stage passes for rock concerts by singer Paul McCartney. Warren's business is called a stock photo agency. It's like a library of sky and storm photographs. People pay him for the use of his photos. Suppose, for example, that you are a magazine editor. If you need a lightning photo for an article, you could go out and try to take a picture of lightning yourself. But you might have to wait a very long time for the right kind of storm. And unless you have lots of practice, your lightning photograph probably won't be very good. An easier way of getting a good lightning photo is to write to Warren. He'll send you samples, and you can select the one you like. Then after sending Warren a fee, you can use the photo in your magazine. When Warren began selling his lightning photos, he found that people were also asking for pictures of tornadoes and hurricanes. He didn't have photographs of these kinds of storms, so he read everything he could find about tornadoes and hurricanes, and he made plans to photograph them as well. Storm seasons and chasing. Storms are caused by certain kinds of weather patterns. The same patterns are found in the same areas year after year. For example, every spring, large areas of cool, dry air and warm, moist air collide over the central United States. If the winds are right, <clears throat> tornado-producing thunderstorms appear. That's why tornadoes in the south-central United States are most likely to happen in spring. During July and August, shifting winds push moisture up from push moisture from the south up into the Arizona desert. When the cool, moist air is heated by the hot desert, storm clouds form. That's why Tucson has summer thunderstorms. <clears throat> in the late summer and early fall, when oceans in the northern, northern Atlantic are warmest, tropical storms form off the west coast of Africa. A few of these turn into the hurricanes that sometimes batter the east and gulf coasts of North America. Because Warren is a storm chaser, his life also follows those, these weather patterns. Each spring, Warren goes on the road, traveling through parts of the United States likely to be hit by tornadoes. During the summer, he stays near Tucson so he can photograph the thunderstorms that develop over the desert. In the late summer and fall, he keeps an eye on the weather activity in the Atlantic Ocean, ready to fly to the East Coast if a hurricane appears.